I'm Rasa Kay, and I am talking with Dr. Alan Galley. He's a cardiologist at Deborah Specialty Physicians. We make a distinction between Deborah Specialty Physicians and Deborah Heart and Lung Center because basically you have seven locations of the specialty physicians' offices, and that brings members of Deborah Heart and Lung Center's medical staff to the community, Deborah Physician Care, in their private practice settings. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Galley, you work at an office in Atlanta County in Galloway and one in Ocean County in Manahawkin. Correct. Yes. And Deborah Specialty Physicians also have locations um, in Burlington County, in Burlington, Browns Mills, and Mount Laurel, and in Ocean County at Toms River and Whiting, along with Manahawkins. So we are delighted to talk to you about our topic, Know Your Numbers. You know, any functioning American adult, generally you ask, what's your cell phone number? What's your social security number? Can rattle it right off. But in advance of our talk today, I asked couple of friends who I figure are pretty medically informed. So what's your triglyceride number? And I got crickets. The numbers are important to at least understand, but even better if you know what your, your number is and where it needs to go. So let's talk about heart health and the numbers we're talking about today. Well, what you're referring to as far as triglycerides, we're talking about the, the, the lipid panel. Right. And it's important to know those numbers, especially early on. Well, okay, early on. How early? Oh, as early as 19 years old, 20 years old. It's not unreasonable to get a screening at that time, especially if there's family history. Okay. Um, family history is very important, and that's something that you need to know yourself as well as the physician that you're, that you're interviewing the patient, asking them what their family history consists of. And then after that, maybe at 25 years old or even 35 years old with risk factors. So typically it's better to know the numbers early on, and if there's a problem, you can then follow it. All right, so let's break this down. The numbers you learn from a blood test, that total lipid profile. One of them that you get right off the top, total cholesterol. HDL, LDL, what are these again? Where should these numbers be? And if they're out of whack, what do you do? Well, first of all, total cholesterol is just generally everything, okay? And then people typically know, oh, my bad number. The bad number is the LDL. And what my good number is, that's the HDL. And typically, those numbers is what we're focused on, the bad and good. Um, triglyceride plays a role. That's the fats, okay? Um, but with the LDL, especially when you're younger, if it's persistently over 160, that's an alarm. For, that's a risk factor for heart disease down the road. And then as you get older, depending on your risk factors, we, we may target different numbers for that. HDL, typically less than 40 for male, less than 50 for uh, female, is also an alarming number, too, because that's a risk factor for, for being uh, low, uh, for heart disease. And then that's where triglycerides play a role too. If triglycerides are greater than 175, typically persistently, that's also enhancing risk factor for, for heart disease. So the TC-HDL ratio, what is that and should we worry about it? There are other markers we can look at. There's two that I focus on, more than actually the ratio, but the ratio is the total cholesterol to HDL ratio. If that's greater than four, that's a marker. But the other one is non-HDL. And that's the total cholesterol minus your HDL number. And that number also can be a marker uh, for heart disease. And typically, if it's more than one, 160 is where we, we pay attention. And those are, again, these are different aspects of just that four numbers that you get from the panel that can tell us a lot about someone's risk. All right. When you say it's the total cholesterol minus the HDL, then that's effectively your LDL number. No, total cholesterol is made up of your HDL plus your LDL plus 20% of your triglycerides. Aha! 
Okay, plus twenty percent of your triglycerides. See, this is why we're talking, doctor, <laughs> because this numbers game is confusing. It is. So my hint has always been to myself about cholesterol numbers. HDL, I have called it H for happy, the happy cholesterol number, <laughs> so that I always keep in mind which one I need to worry about. So if these numbers are out of whack, what's the first thing you talk to your patients about? Their lifestyle. What are they doing? What's their diet consist of? How active are they? Are they exercising? Not only aerobic, but also um, muscle strengthening. Um, those are all important. And regardless of what I can tell them about medication or what new drug is out or, or treatment, really the lifestyle really has been shown to be beneficial, especially exercise. That's the first step, no matter what. After that, you have to know the patient. You have to understand what their history is, because that's important in driving these numbers down. Somebody who's 30 years old with no, no medical problems, we're not going to put on a statin, typically. Um, the other thing is that we use these numbers in risk scores, and associating the risk score with the patient's history may help us target certain numbers. For example, somebody with, with extensive heart disease and peripheral arterial disease, that LDL number, sometimes we drive down to less than 55. The, old, the older guidelines used to tell us um, 100 or 70. Typically, in today's uh, management, we try to reach less than 100 with, with risk factors. I tend to be a little more aggressive with LDL management, but I really tailor it to each patient individually, especially if you have older patients too. You know, we talk about a lipid profile, fat. Lipids are fats, but you can have someone who is pretty slim and seems to be pretty active and have troublesome lipid mm -hmm. profiles. So, How does that work? Well, so, so that type of person probably more has a genetic component. Um, there's not, sometimes we see people in their early 20s with LDL over 190. Anytime an LDL is over 190, it's, it's not your lifestyle. It's more genetic. And those people actually require statins early on, even, even females. Typically, when, when I have a younger person with an abnormal profile like that, we'll do some extra testing on them. But we, are, we do get aggressive early on with management. And on the reverse, you can have somebody who has genetically awesome cholesterol. But like my Lithuanian grandmother would put goose fat on toast and had the blood profile, the lipid profile of a teenager. Yep. <laughs> Life's not often fair, but you got to work with what you got. Okay, also what we learned from a, a blood test, glucose. What does that have to do with heart health? And again, what are we looking for? What's the best range? Well, so for, for glucose, actually, it's, it's funny. Since I'm not that old, but since I've been in training, that number has been dropped um, uh, for what abnormal is. And currently, it's over 100 fasting. So if your sugars in the morning on a fasting blood draw is more than 100, it's abnormal. Doesn't mean you have diabetes, but it's a it's a marker of something going on. Your body's not processing your sugars correctly. There are risk factors that that can think that you may develop diabetes that regards the sugar. So, for example, if like I said, if the fasting is greater than 100, if that hemoglobin A1C is between 5.7, 6.4, they they kind of call that the pre-diabetes. And then if you have an abnormal sugar measured after a two-hour glucose tolerance test. That, that can also be a sign of like maybe pre-diabetes. These, again, are early signs that you can change something in your life to prevent, uh, you know, diabetes, which is also a high risk factor for heart disease. Some of these numbers that we're talking about, the cholesterol panel, the sugar, have also been explained in the literature as metabolic syndrome, where it incorporates five, five aspects. One, your, your blood pressure numbers, which we haven't really talked about yet, but the, the cholesterol panel, triglycerides greater than 150, 
HDL less than 40 for male, less than 50 for female, also waist circumference, uh, and blood pressure. So those five aspects, if three out of the five are positive, then you have metabolic syndrome, which is a sign of early insulin resistance. And it just tells us we should probably be more aggressive in your lifestyle and maybe medical management too. So blood pressure, as you mentioned, these optimal numbers also have been revised. So give us the latest on on blood pressure and where and how to be in the best range there. So like sugar's blood pressure has been changed over the years. We've had different targets for different age groups. There was a recent large trial that that came out that kind of changed the guidelines recently. Currently, the the consensus is, first of all, what's abnormal? So normal is 120 over 80. Everyone knows that number. Even any patient you talk to, what's normal blood pressure? 120 over 80. Uh, recently, there, we've been thinking that more of the pre-hypertension stage is that 120 to 129 range. And then above 130, the top number, is where we're considered abnormal. And incorporate more risk factors of that history of diabetes or, or vascular disease, then you have to be more aggressive with treatment. So the new number really is 130. As people get older, over the age of 75, we may tailor that differently depending on how somebody feels. For example, I had a patient once where he has a lot of risk factors and I was trying to treat his blood pressure aggressively. I was able to get him down below 130. But below 130, he just didn't feel right. He didn't have the oomph. He had less energy. I let his blood pressure come back up to to 140s range. He felt great. And he's older. Right. So really at that point, it's balancing the, the quality of life and also you know, prevention of progression of disease. And it's a fine balance, and that's why you really have to tailor it to that patient. And you really have to be very clear with your doctor, how's it going and how are you feeling? All right, hypertension, blood pressure, silent killer because we usually don't feel when it's too high. But as you were saying, you can feel differently depending on where those numbers are, Uh, particularly that patient you discussed. But low blood pressure has symptoms. Low blood pressure has very different causes. It can be anywhere from adrenal issues, and typically, people will, will feel maybe dizzy, fatigued, lightheaded, especially in, in changing position. There are times where I, have, I see patients in the office, as you said, as a silent killer. I'm, I'm seeing them just for uh, primary prevention. And their blood pressure in the office is like 170, 180, top number, over, you know, over 80 or 90, which, whichever. And they f- totally feel fine. They have no symptoms. And, and that's why it's called a silent killer. It's probably one of the highest risks for developing heart disease. The first step is just getting screened for it. You know, you see a blood pressure machine in the stores, drugstores, Costco, Walmart, wherever. Most people don't take advantage of that. The machines are pretty accurate, but at least it may send you an alarming signal if your blood pressure is over 130 to go to go get checked out. So you're sitting there at CVS and waiting for your prescription. Go ahead and... Check it out. Yeah. I've had people actually come to me because, to see me because of that. Some dentists now screen for blood pressure as a standard part of, of your visit, just because it is so prevalent and very often just a mystery to people. So treating and managing that at Deborah? So first of all, with, with treating blood pressure, right, obviously there are medications out there. With all these devices coming out, electronic devices for heart rhythm checking, actually the, some of the newer devices are claiming they can actually check blood pressure too, They're these wrist monitoring devices. But all these devices coming out, patients are seeking alternative treatments. At Deborah, there's actually a trial called Radiance 2. Basically, what, what Radiance is, is it gives patients the option, if they're on two or more blood pressure medications, um, to maybe come off or, or avoid more medications with high blood pressure. It's a simple, minimally invasive procedure. They take a catheter tip balloon that goes into the renal artery. Sometimes, in high blood pressure, sometimes the nerves that are on top of the renal arteries are overactive. 
And by taking this balloon, you inflate it and you, you create ultrasound energy that causes heat that kind of calms down this overactivity. In the recent trial that was done with this, patients uh, in two months saw a decrease in the top number by 10 points, as well as one in four patients were able to avoid increasing their blood pressure medication and maintain their blood pressure status. It's something that's, that's ongoing right now at the Borja Lung Center. It's something that a lot of patients in my office are asking me about because for example, some medications you take two times a day, or even pe- people that take it every day. So it can be difficult in a busy lifestyle to, to remember to take those medications, and compliance is a big issue. This is one way maybe patients can, can avoid that issue and, and be more compliant because they're either off medications or less medication. So for anybody interested in finding out about Radiance 2 at Deborah, where can they get more information on that? Uh, DeborahBP.org. First place to start. If you see one of us at our locations, we can also help you set up there too. When cholesterol and triglycerides are out of the desirable range, any physical symptoms? They can be in extreme cases. As high blood pressure sometimes is silent, people don't have symptoms. Cholesterol is the same way. If triglycerides are really out of whack, yes, you can get pancreatitis, abdominal pain, that kind of symptoms. When cholesterol panel uh, is really high, you can get deposits on the skin. Again, these are extreme cases, um, but these are physical exam findings that you can find on, on examination or symptoms by the patient. Um, but again, typically most patients don't have evidence of, of abnormal values. Okay, another number to know, body mass index. What is it and where do we want it to be? <laughs> well, body mass index basically is another, again, sign of maybe your lifestyle isn't as healthy as, as it is. Typically, you want to be between 19 and 25. Between 25 and 30 is, is overweight, and above 30 is, is considered obese. And we're not going to get into the different classes of, of obesity. That sort of relates to also a marker for, de- for developing heart disease, but also with waist circumference. Waist circumference greater than 40 in males, greater than 35 in females, is a, a risk factor. And when people with BMIs over 35, we don't even bother measuring waist circumference because we know already that their obesity or adiposity is going to be a risk factor for heart disease. When you talk about waist circumference, we're talking in inches, and yeah, I mean, no fat shaming here, but, but we know that there is an impact on your health. For men, you said it was 40 inches around the waist, and Correct. women, 35, 35 inches. How often do we need to be checking all these numbers we've been talking about? Again, it depends on, on your risk. I mean, typically, when you're young, you're healthy. I, what I tell patients, because patients ask me that too, I see people, you know, from 20 years old up until you know, their late, late uh, ages. I tell them, look, you should be really seeing your family doctor or primary doctor once a year. I haven't really found a primary physician that doesn't do blood pressure check, heart rate check, or weight. I mean, everyone gets weighed every time. Sometimes they refuse, (laughs) the patients, (laughs) to get weighed. But every year you should be seeing your primary doctor, and and that's one reason. But if you look at what's recommended, typically over the age of 40 is when we start screening yearly for blood pressure. Cholesterol panel is iffy, but if you're healthy, you can do every three three years, roughly three to five years. Sugars, diabetes, depending if you have those, any of those risk factors I talked about earlier, maybe every three years for diabetes I'm monitoring or checking. But if you're seeing your, your primary care physician on a regular basis, a lot of this stuff would be caught early. So how do we get the most out of these screenings? You do have to prepare properly for them. And it's not a question of cheating. Maybe it's a question of being inattentive. But, but you want to get 
the right information when you go to get the blood drawn or to check your BMI or whatever. So how do we prepare properly? So I, I think let's break it down a little bit. So uh, something came to my mind when you asked me that question was actually blood pressure, believe it or not. When people come to my office, the blood pressure is elevated. And I say, oh, your blood pressure is high today. Well, I was stuck in traffic. I was really aggravated if someone was driving in front of me. I just had a cup of coffee before coming in. Or I just had a cigarette before coming in. All those actually, well, maybe not the traffic, I'm not sure, depending on how you drive. But the cigarette, the caffeine, those actually can affect your blood pressure reading. So we, we tell patients to really avoid those type of behaviors before blood pressure checks. Um, when it comes down to, to BMI, it's based on your weight. People come into the office, that's not your true weight. We, we usually say first thing in the morning is what you should be weighing yourself. Um, and, then your, and then your height's also involved in that, in that calculation. What can affect your weight is you have a large salty meal. You retain more water. So that can, can affect your weight, especially in people with, with risk factors. In regards to cholesterol or, or glucose, I think it depends what the physician is looking for. If the physician is just looking for your, your LDL, your HDL, those sometimes are not really affected. If you, if you by accident had something in the morning, typically triglycerides is what we worry about if we want to get a true fasting reading. And again, the sugar too can be affected. So for example, if somebody by accident had cream in their coffee, their triglycerides may be affected, their sugar may be affected. But also, if, if you have a random sugar, at that point, let's say it's not fasting anymore, it's random, greater than 200, that's a problem, and that can be a sign of diabetes. So we can still interpret the results. You just have to be honest with, with the physician about what happened if by accident you did that. And typically, if it's just plain, plain black coffee, you should be fine. So most of the time when I tell patients that, they're actually happy because some people cannot get up and even move without that cup of coffee in the morning. Again, just to summarize, if one or more of your vital health numbers are out of whack, what do you do? Well, come see one of us. Go to DeborahSpecialist.com and see one of us at one of our locations, and we'll be happy to talk to you, go over your numbers, and see where you lie in the, in the cardiac risk profile. And after you see one of us, we'll, we'll plan your future for you, basically looking at your numbers, you know, depending on your lifestyle, your work. We can really tailor what we need to do for you so that you can live a long, uh, healthy life without, hopefully, heart disease. That's always the goal. Is prevention is always the goal. I'm Rasa Kay, and I've been talking with cardiologist Dr. Alan Ghali of Deborah Specialty Physicians.